All right, would you take your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 17 and verse number 32. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and beginning with verse number 32. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and beginning with verse number 32. And we're going to read just a few verses here. Amen. Verse number 32. 1 Samuel chapter 17 beginning with verse number 32. Amen. I'll give you a few moments there to find it. Thank you so much for bringing the uh, Christmas gifts for the kids. Every year we have an outreach in December where we bless all the kids of the surrounding area, especially in Galena. And um, so this year in December, I think it's around the second week of December, we're going to have an outreach event and we're going to bless our children. Amen. And I'm glad that we're part of a church that has the opportunity to do that. And so thank you so much for uh, your generosity in that. It's growing. Amen. I think we've already collected uh, almost 300 pairs of socks uh, and then we're going to um, bless our children in the area with um, uh, some toys. We call it the Christmas store. So what happens is that parents come and they get to shop. We, we turn the youth facility into a store. And so parents get to come and they get to shop for their children for Christmas. And then uh, in times past, we've actually wrapped the gifts. I'm not sure if we're going to do that this year. But anyway, so this year uh, we're going to have uh, socks. We're going to have uh, toys. And uh, we, I'm pretty sure we might have coats. I'm not sure yet, but uh, that's a possibility. And so uh, so that's a wonderful opportunity to get to bless families. Aren't you glad? Amen. And so we're going to do that in December where we have an opportunity to bless the, the children of Galena. So this morning... We're going to deal with a passage of Scripture that is very familiar, but it holds a lot of truth. And so as we go to the Word of God, let's open our ears and our hearts to the Word of God and uh, hear what the Spirit would have to say to us today. Are you there? Everybody say, I'm there. Come on, everybody say, I'm there. I'm a participatory preacher, so every once in a while, I like for you to nod your head so I know that you're alive and well, all right? Everybody say, I'm there. All right, 1 Samuel chapter number 17, beginning with verse number 32. 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning with verse number 32. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion and a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the pall of the lion and the pall of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. 
And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Look at verse 37 one more time. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, for the Lord will be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor and put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. And so let's stop right there. Today I want to preach the thought on the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Would you say that with me? The bigger they are. All right, say it with me one more time. The, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. The central theme of the whole Bible is Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? Jesus Christ is the central theme of the whole Bible. Without exception, Jesus is the central figure of the Bible. More scripture is written about him and devoted to him more than any other figure in the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament combined. Jesus is the central figure. If you believe Jesus is the central figure of the Bible, would you shout a great big amen? There is another person in the Bible that comes up often. As a matter of fact, you hear of this person often. Not as often as Jesus, but you do hear of this person often. This character is the first person mentioned in the New Testament after Jesus. And he is the last person named in the New Testament except for Jesus. Let me say that again. This character is the first person that is mentioned in the New Testament after Jesus, and he is the last person in the New Testament that's mentioned after Jesus. His name is King David. King David has more verses that speaks about him than any other person in the Bible except for Jesus. Jesus is the central figure of the Bible, but yet David, I would say, is number two. David is the central theme of also the scriptures after Jesus. The story of David and Goliath is probably one of the greatest stories in the history of literature. Our children are probably taught David and Goliath, one of the very first Old Testament stories of the Old Testament. It is one of the greatest stories in the history of literature. This, there's many stories in the Old Testament about David, but this is probably one of the greatest stories about David, David and Goliath. You probably hear more about David and Goliath than probably any other Old Testament story. You hear about how David, who is a shepherd boy, took a little sling, a few little rocks, and slew that giant called Goliath. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. 
And this morning, I want to look at this classic story, this classic story of David and Goliath. And I want to bring out four things about this story that I believe can be helpful in your life. I believe that all of us is in a race. It's called the race of life. And sometimes in the race of life, there is a battle. We're in the battle of life. And in the battle of life, you got to know what your weaponry is. You can't fight spiritual warfare and you can't fight spiritual things with the natural things. You remember what Paul said in the scriptures? that your, your weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty through God by the pulling down of strongholds. In other words, the Apostle Paul was informing the church that you cannot fight spiritual things with carnal methods. You can't fight spiritual things with natural things. If you're going to fight in the game of life, because the game of life is a spiritual battle, you got to know what your weaponry is, and you got to know how to use it. David and Goliath, although this is a classic story. Although this story is a familiar story, I believe that David shows us the things, the weaponry that he used against Goliath. And I believe that it can be helpful to you this morning. Listen, all of us is in the battle of life. I promise you, if I go around the room this morning, all of you can name a battle that you are in, enraged in. All of you can uh, name a battle that you are fighting in. Maybe it's a battle of sickness. Maybe it's the battle with your health or a battle of finances or a battle in your marriage or relationships or whatever it may be. Maybe it's an internal battle, but all of us at one point or another is going to face a battle. Either you're going into a battle, you're in a battle, or you're coming out of a battle, but all of us is engaged in some sort of battle this morning. And some of us live defeated lives because we don't know how to use our weaponry correctly. And this morning, I want to look at this story and and I want to bring out four things that David used against Goliath that you can use this morning in the battle of life, in the battle of life. And so I want to rehearse the story for just a moment this morning. I know that you're familiar with the story, but let me just recap the story this morning. The Bible says that the Philistines is the arch enemy of God, the arch enemy of God. The Philistines would taunt the children of God day and night. In the scriptures, they are the arch enemy of the people of God. And the Bible says that Israel was on one side of the mountain and the Philistines was on the other side of the mountain. The Bible says in verse number three, the Philistines stood on one on the one side of the mountain and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. So I want you to see what's happening here. The Philistines are on one side of the mountain and on the other side, the Israelites is there and there's a valley that separated the two armies. And what would happen occasionally, what the armies would do is that they would send out their best uh, warrior. They would send out their best fighter and that fighter would fight the other person that was best on their team. And so the two warriors would come together and they would fight together. And the reason that they did that was because that was to cut down with bloodshed that would cut down on death. I mean, what's the use to having the whole army defeated and in bloodshed when you could just have only one person die? 
and the rest of them could be slaves to the other army. And so therefore, it to, in order to keep people alive, what they would do, they would send out the best warrior. The best warrior would come out and fight against the other warrior, and they would have it out. And whoever lost the battle, whoever died in the battle, that army would become a slave to the other army. It's a, and so that's exactly what's happening here in this story. And the Philistines would taunt the children of God day and night, morning and evening. They sent out their best warrior. And guess who the best warrior was? It was a giant called Goliath. So here's this giant comes out. He is the best warrior that the Philistines have. And so Goliath comes out and Goliath begins to taunt Israel, begins to mock Israel. And that's exactly what the enemy will do. The enemy, the only, the only power that the enemy has over you is control, and he controls you by his words. He scares you. He discourages you by the words that he speaks to you. And that's exactly what Goliath did to the children of Israel. It doesn't matter how strong your weaponry is. It doesn't matter if you have the latest weaponry. If your heart is discouraged, if you're already despondent, you're going to lose the battle. And so therefore, Goliath, who is this giant who represents the Philistines, comes out and he taunts Israel day and night. And can you just imagine how Israel is feeling? Israel is feeling discouraged. Israel is feeling despondent. Every day and every night, they are hearing words from that Goliath. They're hearing words from that giant called Goliath. And he's mocking them day and night, night and day and he is just beating down the children of God because that's what the enemy does the enemy will beat you down he knows you're not going to go out and drink he knows you're not going to go out and have an affair but what he does know is if he can lie to you he can control you and if he can control you he can discourage you and if you're discouraged you'll lose the battle and so therefore that Goliath that giant called Goliath went out and taunted the children of God day and night until one day a little shepherd boy by the name of David said, you know what? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. I'm going to go take on this giant. And the Bible says that he went out to meet this Giant, Can you imagine a little shepherd boy? I think the scripture says he's 17 years old. Here's this little shepherd boy, a teenager, going to fight this battle-worn, battle-tested giant. And here he goes out to fight. Now, in the story, there are four conversations that David has with four different people. And in these conversations, they tell us the weaponry that David used against this giant called Goliath. There are four conversations that David had. The first conversation that David had, he had it with the soldiers that day. He had the first one, he had it with the soldiers, number one. Number two, he had a conversation with his oldest brother. Number three, he had a conversation with King Saul. And the last conversation he had was with that giant called Goliath. Those four conversations revealed to us what was happening in David's heart, and it also reveals to us how David won against that giant called Goliath. Sometimes when we read the story, 
story, we think we just read it at face value. You know, he took a sling, he took a few stones, he went out there and he slung it and it hit the giant and he went flat, he fell flat down. And we just read the story and say, well, God gives us victory and this is a wonderful story. But you've got to read what happens before that giant is dead. You've got to read what happens and what transpires before uh, that giant called Goliath is slayed. And I want to look at it just for a few moments this morning. The very first thing I want you to see is the conversation that David has with the soldiers. I want you to look at verse number 24, and I want to look at verse number 25. Now this is David. He's getting ready to go out and fight Goliath. He's getting ready to fight against Goliath, and he has a conversation with the men who are the soldiers before he goes out there. And the Bible says in verse number 24, and the Bible says, and all of the men of Israel, when they saw that man, they fled from him and they were dreadfully afraid. I want you to see the context here. All the soldiers are afraid. They're all running from Goliath. Verse number 25. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defile Israel and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will, and will give him a daughter and give his father's house an exemption from the taxes in Israel. So everybody's afraid. All of Israel is afraid. And then they say the man, they're trying to encourage, they're trying to get somebody from the crowd to fight him. They're saying, listen, is there anybody in the crowd that can fight Goliath? If you can fight him and win, then the king will give you his daughter and you will be exempt from the taxes and you will also get a bunch of riches. That's a pretty good reward. Don't you think so? And the Bible says, verse number 26, I love this. And this is what I want you to see in verse 26. Then David said to the men who stood there by him, here is a little shepherd boy having a conversation with the soldier saying this, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that they should defile the armies of the living God? Do you see verse number 26? Nobody is going to fight. Everybody is afraid. And David steps forward. And what does David say? David says, what is the reward again? What is the reward again? Can you remind me what the reward is? The reward was you get great riches, you get the king's daughter, and you get exempt from your taxes. That's the reward. And David says in verse number 26, he says, what shall be done for the man that kills the Philistines and takes away the reproach from Israel? Do you see that? David is asking, what will I get if I win in this battle? In other words, get this. Everybody else saw defeat. Everybody else saw how tall the giant was. And David steps forward and he wanted to know what he was going to get when he wins the battle. I think it's clear. Number one, in order for you to win in the game of life, and no matter what battle you may be facing, the number one thing that you have to realize this morning is you've got to see a vision of victory for yourself. 
You've got to see a vision of victory for yourself. In other words, David saw a vision of victory for himself before he even had victory. In other words, everybody else is speaking about how big the giant is, and David wanted to know what he was going to get when he wins the battle. He had a vision of victory. Other people saw defeat. Everybody else saw gloom and doom and defeat and depression, but David saw his reward. David saw what he was going to win. He saw himself victorious. He already saw his reward. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the battle isn't the problem. It's your attitude when you go into the battle. Can I hear an amen? I've said the giant isn't the problem. It's the attitude that you have when you go into the problem. And some of you can get real depressed on this pandemic, but I'm going to let you know I refuse to go into this pandemic and be in this pandemic with a defeated attitude as if we're discouraged, as if we're despondent. I've come to let you know that we are more victorious than you could ever imagine. You've got to have a vision of victory for yourself. David saw his reward while everybody else saw defeat. While everybody else was discouraged, David wanted to know what he was going to win because he had a vision of victory for himself. Let me say this and let me say it loud and clear. How you begin the battle determines how you will come out of the battle. How you begin determines how you will come out. I've learned this one thing in life, in the game of life, that sometimes you can lose even before you even start. Sometimes you can lose even before you start. It determines what, what kind of attitude do you have going into the battle. You see, it's not what David had in it. Listen to pastor this morning. It's not what David had in his arsenal that brought the victory. It is what he brought to the battle that determined the victory. It wasn't what was in his bag that determined the victory. It wasn't the stones and the sling that determined the victory. It wasn't what was in his arsenal that determined the victory. It was what he brought to the battle that determined the victory. And do you know what he brought? brought to the battle. He brought a heart that was set on God. He had brought a heart that had a vision of victory before he ever fought the battle. And when you bring what you bring to the battlefield is determined what happens on the battlefield. David didn't win because of what was in his arsenal. He won because what he brought to the battle. It's what he brought to the battle that won the victory. It wasn't, listen to pastor, it wasn't what was in his hand. It was what was in his heart that caused him to win. It wasn't in his hand that determined the victory. It was what was in David's heart that determined the victory. I'm about to shout up in here. Amen. Because that tells me that no matter what's happening around you, you can bring victory to the battle before you even see victory physically. He saw a vision of victory. I'm telling you today that God... 
sometimes won't deliver you from it. Sometimes God will deliver you in it. God isn't going to deliver you from it. Sometimes he will deliver you in it. Sometimes God's plan and purpose is for you to go through things, for you to go through things. God isn't taking you to it. God is going to bring you through it. I'm going to say that one more time. God isn't taking you to it. God is going to bring you through it. In other words, this isn't my final destination because I see myself on the other side. I see a vision of victory for myself. And you see, when you walk, you see the, the Bible says, David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not walking to the valley. I'm walking through the valley. I'm not walking to the fire. I'm walking through the fire. Somebody say amen. I'm not walking to the lion's den. I'm walking through the lion's den. I'm telling you today, we serve a God who will bring you out because that's the testimony of his nature. He brought Moses out of the Red Sea. He brought the children of Israel out of the wilderness. He brought Daniel out of the lion's den. He brought the Hebrew boys out of the fiery furnace. He brought Peter out of prison. He brought Paul out of the storm. He brought Lazarus out of the grave. He brought Jesus up out of death. And if he can do it for them, he can bring you out as well. He doesn't bring you to it. He brings you through it. The reason that he had a vision of victory is because victory wasn't determined what was in his hand. Victory was determined what was in his heart. He saw himself victorious before the victory was ever accomplished physically. He saw a vision of victory. He said, what's in it for me? Remind me of what I'm going to get. Remind me of my reward. Because I see myself victorious. Number two, that was the first conversation he had with the soldiers. They're all afraid. But David sees himself as a visionary. He sees himself as victorious. Number two, the second conversation he has with his brother, Eliab. Eliab is his brother. And the Bible says in verse number 28, look at this. Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger aroused against David and said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your, the pride of your heart, for you have come down to see this battle before us. Now, hold on. Isn't this interesting? His oldest brother, his oldest brother is almost mocking him. His oldest brother is mocking his intentions and his motives. See what he says? His oldest brother gets angry at him and says, why did you come down here? Why did you leave the sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of for our father? You left the wilderness. He says, I know you're prideful. 
and you have come down to see the battle. So number two, not only do you have to have a vision of victory for yourself, but number two, when you're in a battle, you got to be careful who you listen to. You got to be careful who you listen to because listen to his oldest brother. His oldest brother begins to mock him. His oldest brothers begins to mock his intentions because you know what? Listen to pastor vision and discouragement goes hand in hand. Anytime you got a vision from the Lord, mark it down. You're going to have discouragement. So you see, David was a man of vision. He was a visionary person. He saw himself winning the battle before he ever won the battle. He saw his reward before he ever got the reward. He is a visionary and every visionary will have discouragement because discouragement and vision goes hand in hand. So if you're discouraged this morning, don't let it get you down because visionary people will always become discouraged at one time or another in their life. But you've got to be careful who you listen to. And sometimes you've got to be careful of the closest people that you listen to because the people that are closest to you sometimes don't see the value that's inside of you. Eliab, his oldest brother, begins to mock him. He mocked his attentions. There are several things I want you to see about his oldest brother. His oldest brother was jealous of him. Number one, his oldest brother was jealous of him. Now get this. I didn't see this before, but I saw something I never saw before about his oldest brother. His oldest brother was jealous of David. The Bible says, look at this. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 16, I think. First Samuel 16 verse 6. First Samuel 16 verse 6. So I want you to see here, they'll put it behind me and I want you to see what happens here. His oldest brother was jealous of David. His oldest brother. If you you could put it behind me, that would be helpful. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 6. Thank you, Pastor Ronnie. So it was that when they came, that he looked at Elab and said, Surely the Lord's appointed is before him. So I want you to go on, go down to the next verse. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't look at his appearance, don't look at his physical statue, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now look at verse number six. Remember when Samuel came, when Samuel came to, to anoint and the Samuel came to find the anointed to anoint as king. What, what did the father do? The father, Jesse, brings out all of his sons. And what did the father, what did Jesse think? Jesse thought Eliab, the oldest son, should be king. Verse 6. Is that right? So they came out and they brought the oldest son. And what did Samuel say about the oldest son? And the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at the outer appearance. Just because he's older doesn't mean he's appointed. Just because he's number one, just because he's the first sibling, doesn't mean he should be king. So can you, you see what's happening here? His oldest brother was jealous of David. God rejected him. He wasn't picked as king. He wasn't anointed as king. They brought David out and anointed him. Well, guess who saw it? His oldest brother saw it. 
So number one, his oldest brother was jealous of him. And you see that in verse number six and verse number seven. The Lord said to Samuel, when, when, you, when you pick the guy, don't look at the outward appearance. Look at the heart. I look at the heart. I don't look at the outer appearance to imply that just because he is older, just because you brought him out, number one, just because he's the first sibling doesn't mean he should be anointed as king. So do you see what's happening here? Number one, his oldest brother was jealous of him. Number two, not only was he jealous of him, but his oldest brother was intimidated by David. Intimidated by him. Now, the scripture says, his oldest brother said, David, have you come down to watch the battle? Well, my question is this. What battle? There ain't no battle going on because you're a scaredy cat. All you other soldiers are scared of cats. And his oldest brother is standing there mocking him. His oldest brother is standing there judging his intentions, judging his motive. He's pointing his finger at his little brother and saying, why did you come down here? You should be up there with your father's sheep. Why did you come down here to watch this battle? You see, he's jealous of his brother. Because you see what happened in chapter 16. He's jealous of his brother. You can hear the jealousy in his voice. He's saying to his brother, why did you come down here to fight in the battle? There is no battle going on. Because jealous people will be people that will always exaggerate the facts. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting. I said jealous people will always exaggerate the facts. And that's exactly what's going on here. He's jealous of his brother. He's exaggerating the facts. There ain't no battle going on because everybody's afraid. He is trying to discourage his brother. He's trying to discourage him by his words. And that's exactly what the devil will do. He will try to discourage you with your words. Even when you feel like you're anointed and appointed, even when you feel like that God has called you to do an assignment, the enemy will still come to you and mock you and judge your intentions and try to degrade you because it's not what's in your hand that determines the victory. It is what's in your heart that determines the victory. So he he's intimidated by him. Some people are intimidated because you are doing something that they quit a long time ago. The reason people get jealous and intimidated is because you're outshining them. You're doing something that you should have done a long time ago. His oldest brother should have took the responsibility and went out and fought the giant. He's the oldest sibling. He should be an example, but he's a coward. He's jealous of him. He's intimidated by him. And number three, get this. His oldest brother, his oldest brother is ignorant concerning David's assignment. His oldest brother is ignorant concerning David's assignment. Verse number 17 and chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17, 17 says this. Then Jesse said to his son David, take now for your brother an Ephraim of dried grain and ten loaves and run down to your brother to the camp. Now don't lose me. Before David took on the challenge 
to kill Goliath before he did that. He was with his father, and his father told him, Son, I want you to take a little bread. I want you to go down to the camp where your brothers are, your oldest brothers, and I want you to give your brothers some lunch. So the reason that David is in the circle of all the soldiers the reason that David is there is because he was obeying his father. He was bringing his brother's lunch. He was bringing them bread. Now, with that in mind, I want you to look at the verse again. Look at the verse again. Look at verse number 17. Chapter 17, you see that. But now I want you to go to... Uh, go back to... I lost my place here. Chapter 17. Everybody say, I'm there. What chapter am I in? Somebody shout 17. I just lost my place here. So number three, he is ignorant concerning David's assignment. So what was his assignment? His assignment was taking care of the father's sheep. Now look at verse 28. Verse number 28 of chapter 17, you got the context. His oldest brother, when he heard, he spoke to these men. His anger was aroused against him and said, why do you come down here? Why did you come down here? Do you see that? Why did you come down here? Why was David down there? Because he was obeying his father. He was listening to his father. His father said, go take your boy, go take your brother some bread, go take your brother some lunch. So the reason that David was there was because he was obeying his father and his oldest brother begins to mock him saying, why are you here, David? Because his oldest brother is ignorant concerning David's assignment. Number three, he is ignorant concerning David's assignment. He left his father's sheep. In other words, he didn't discern God's will for his life. And listen, people who are jealous of you, people who are intimidated by you, never will discern God's will for your life. He didn't have no discernment concerning David's life. If he was really a brother, if he was really a man of God, he would have known that the reason that David was there was because he was a shepherd boy obeying his father and bringing him lunch. That's the reason why he was there. In other words, thank you. In other words, his oldest brother was jealous of him. Number two, why was he jealous of him? He was jealous of him because he was overlooked to be king. David was anointed as king. Samuel rejected him. 1 Samuel 16, 6, number two, he was intimidated. He was intimidated by him, mocking him. Number three, he was ignorant concerning David's assignment. My point is this, church, if you're going to win in the battle of life, number one, you've got to have a vision of victory, but number two, you've got to be careful who you listen to. It was his oldest brother, but his oldest brother had 
had jealous had a jealous heart towards him. He was jealous of him. He was intimidated of him. He didn't have discernment concerning the Lord's will for his life. So you've got to be careful who you listen to in the battle of life. It's amazing to me that we'll listen to Facebook before you'll listen to the pastor. You'll listen to your, your friends down the street who hasn't, doesn't have a job, sits there, plays video games all day, and you'll put more stock in their word than what the pastor says on Sunday morning. I don't get it. You got to be careful who you're listening to. Number three, I'm almost done. Are you all with me? Don't let limitations stop you. In the battle of life, don't let limitations stop you. Look at verse number 32. Verse number 32. Verse number 32. This is the second conversation. This is the third conversation. And this is the conversation he has with Saul. So David has the third conversation. Starts with verse number 32. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. This is what David is saying to Saul. I'll go fight him. And Saul said to David, You are not able to withstand and go against this Philistine to fight with him for you're just a youth and this is a man of war from his youth you know what Saul was saying to David Saul was saying David David listen you're a, you're you're just a shepherd boy you're just a little boy you're you're you're, you're still in your youth this man that you want to go fight has been fighting since he's been your age this man is battle-worn. This man is battle-tested. This man has a long history. He has a longer history than you've been born, David. You see the limitations? King David, of course, I probably would have said the same thing. Sometimes we let our age be a limitation to us. You see, he is saying, listen, listen, you don't need to go to this, David. This is unwise, David. This, this giant is battle-worn. This giant is battle-tested. This giant has been fighting for many years, longer than you've been alive, and now you want to go out and fight him? The point of it is, is when God has appointed you and anointed you, you don't need to let limitations stop you. You don't need to let the experiences of other people be a limit to you. You don't need to be limited by somebody else's past failures. David was anointed and appointed. David said, you know what, I'll go. I'll go. You know why David had that confidence to go? You know why David had that confidence to go? David had that confidence to go because David understood this principle that God was with me then and God will be with me now. In other words, David said, I remember, I remember I fought the lion and God was with me. I fought the bear and God was with me. And if God was with me with the lion and the bear, then I know God's going to be with me when I stand before the giant. And let me tell you something, church. Anointing is not when you fall on the floor and speak in tongues. I'm sorry to tell you. Anointing is not when you jiggle and shake and fall on the floor and spit and scream and run around the building. I've saw that all my life. But do you know what the anointing is? The anointing is physical evidence in your life to demonstrate that God is working in your life. Is there physical evidence to prove to me that God's working in your life? 
like that's what I call the anointing. The anointing breaks the yoke and destroys the bondages. It, it does something physically. David was anointed. There was physical evidence to prove that he was anointed. People say, I'm anointed, I'm anointed, I got a word, I got a word, I got a word. Huh. I don't care if you got a word, I don't care if you fall on the floor, I don't care because I've seen it all my life. I want to know if you fall on the floor when you get up, how straight you're going to walk when you get up off the floor. I want to know if the same tongues you speak in on Sunday morning that you don't lie on on Monday morning. Can I hear an amen? I want to know if you're progressing in holiness and sanctification. So, it's the physical evidence that the Spirit is moving in your life. David said this. David said, verse 37, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. David says to King Saul, this is what he says to King Saul, moreover, David, Saul said to David, yeah, moreover, David, verse number 37, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, well, go for the Lord be with you. You know what Saul was saying? I ain't going with you. Let the Lord go with you. <laughs> I'm not going to go with you. Let the Lord go with you. And David had that confidence that God was with him. Number four, I'm going to close with this, this point. Number four, he went in the confidence of God's power. David had the confidence of God's power. He didn't go in the confidence of his might. He went in the confidence of God's power. He was confident that God was able to do what God said he's able to do. That if God was with me with the bear and God was with me with a lion, God can be with me now as I stand before this giant. And I want to testify to somebody this morning. Is there anybody that can wave your hand that says God was with me a few years ago? God delivered me and God healed me and God brought me through. And if God was with me then, I know right now in the midst of this pandemic, he ain't going to leave me. He ain't going to forsake me. He's going to bring me all the way to the other side because I got a vision for victory in my life. He went in the confidence of God. He was in the confidence of the power of the Holy Ghost. He said, he said, if God was with me with the bear, if God was with me in the lion, then God's going to be with me as I stand before that giant. You know, it's interesting to me. Never saw this before. But the Bible says that David said, verse 32, David said, let me move down here. Yeah, verse number 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail. Let no man's heart fail because that's where the battle starts. The battle starts in the heart. If your heart is failing, you're not going to win. You're not going to win if the heart is failing. He said, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go and fight against him. You're too young. Verse 34, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion and a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb. Your servant has killed, verse 36, your servant has killed the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like that, seeing that he's defiled the living God. You see the confidence this man had, this little boy had? He said that it's going to be the same thing with this giant. Moreover, David said, the Lord will deliver you. 
Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear would deliver me from the hand. And so Saul, verse 38, Saul clothed David, and get this, with his armor, put a bronze helmet on his head. Verse 39, David fastened his sword to the arm and, and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took it off. Now hold on. King Saul said, David, if you're going to win the battle, you're going to have to put an armor on like everybody else before you. Everybody else put an armor on and they won the battle. Now you're going to have to fight just like everybody else has fought. You're going to have to fight just like everybody else has fought. And David said, no, 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 it doesn't fit. I haven't worn it. I can't wear it. I'm too little for it. As a matter of fact, I can't even put it on. I can't even walk. And he took it off. Do you know why? Because God is saying this, that you are not, you, you can't win the battle like you won it before. The same thing you used to do when you won the battle, you can't use the same strategy like you did before. This is a new year with a new level and a new devil. You've got to learn how to step out and learn how to fight. Sometimes what people want to do, they want to give you the instructions on how to fight. Put it on. This is how you're supposed to do it. Put it on. This is how you're supposed to win the battle. I've been in church services, and that's what they've told me. Run around the building seven times. And when you get around the seventh time, you do a shout, and God's going to deliver you. Well, that's all good and fine, but sometimes I still left bound. Can I hear an amen? I've been to altar services, and they put oil all over my mouth. Man, I've been in altar services. They put it all over my lips, and I still left bound. Can I hear an amen? I'm telling you that sometimes what we used in the past is not what's going to take to get us free today. Sometimes you got to be confident from the power that he's given you. He says, this is what David's attitude was. David said, I'm going to close with this, I promise you. David said, hey, hey King Saul, Saul, I can't wear the armor. It's too, dude, it's too big for me. I can't wear it. He says, but you know, I don't need that anyway. He says, I, I didn't have an armor on when I killed the lion. I didn't have the armor on when I killed the bear. I didn't have the armor on and I still got the victory. And I come to let you know, King Saul, that if I didn't need the armor for the bear and if I didn't need an armor for the lion, I don't need an armor for this giant that stands before me. Because it's not what's on your hand that determines the victory. It's not what you have on that determines the victory. It's what's in your heart that determines the victory. Hallelujah. King Saul, I'm taking this armor off because I didn't have an armor on. When I fought the bear and the lion, I didn't have that armor on, but I had the Spirit of God on me. That armor may work for you. It ain't going to work for me.
I'm going to walk in the confidence of his power. You know what David was saying? King Saul, I can't change my strategy because he's big. I can't change my strategy because he's big. You think I need to wear an armor. That's understandable. But I'm not going to change my strategy because he's big. My strategy is I'm going to go out in the name of the Lord. I'm not going to go out in armor. I'm going to go out in the name of the Lord. And I want to let you know today that the strategy of prayer still works. Let's not try anything else. The strategy of worshiping together still works. The strategy of Bible reading still works. The strategy of tithing and giving is still works. Don't change your strategy because it's big. He went in the confidence of his power. I'm going to go to Goliath the same way I came with the, the bear and the lion. I'm going to go in the name of the Lord. Verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, Verse 45, you come to me with a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of whom you've defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and I will take your head from you. And this day I will give your carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all of the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I'm telling you that as you face your giant today, you don't face him like you're a coward. You don't go tuck and run. You face him. You face it and the confidence of God. This story reminds us that David had a vision of victory. He saw his reward. He wanted his reward before he even got it because he saw himself victorious. Number one, if you're going to make it, you've got to have a vision of victory. Number two, you've got to be careful who you listen to, even if it's the people who are closest to you. His oldest brother was jealous of him. His oldest brother was intimidated by him. His oldest brother was unaware of God's assignment on his life. And thus, he couldn't discern God's will. Number three, don't let limitations stop you. You may be small, but he's powerful. And number four, you got to go in the confidence of his power. You see, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. I said the bigger they are, the harder they fall.